This is where Atlanta soul, at this particular point in time, hip hop rolls. Meets the Nashville sound. The amazing girl! And hits everywhere in between. Ellen Fitz talking music. L. Talking. And Fitz. We are back with the most creatively named podcast in all of the land. L. And Fitz talking music. It's Ellen Fitz talking music. Well, sort of. It's uh, it's Kyrie and Fitz talking music. Look at that. You even get your name before me. Fitz does not sound right as the opening name on a show. Like Fitz and Kyrie talking music, not as cool. Kyrie and Fitz talking music is cool. L again, if you're just tuning in, L's out of maternity leave. And does that make us uh, a little less cool? Yeah, but we're still doing our best to hold down the fort and be the best, uh, the, be the best sport, uh, be the best show we can be even without L around. So Kyrie, uh, I, th- I think so far we're doing a masterful job. That's all I'm saying. Very much so. And of course your name is last because you're the closer, dude. Oh, I like that. I'll take that all day. Uh, you know, and, and we're going to get into some cool stuff, uh, today as we always do, uh, in, in my mind. But I want to start with, uh, a hot story that combines sports and music right now. And for anybody that didn't see this, there was obviously a big, uh, to do about the fact that uh, there's a song in the Madden soundtrack that listed the name Colin Kaepernick. That song, uh, by Big Sean, uh, that song had the lyric of Colin Kaepernick cut out. Now, that's got a lot of people fired up. A lot of people are fired up over the fact that Colin Kaepernick's name was taken out of a, a video game that the NFL's a part of, and automatically it became a conspiracy theory, and it became this big deal about the NFL trying to silence him. And I have to tell you guys, for as much as I appreciate how right that often is, this time, calm down and relax. You're wrong. Okay, EA Sports issued an apology, and I want to read this word for word, but I want you to listen to it. Okay, really listen to what's being said here. This is the official apology for EA Sports for leaving the Colin Kaepernick name out of a Big Sean song in in the Madden soundtrack. We made an unfortunate mistake with our Madden NFL soundtrack. Members of our team misunderstood the fact that while we don't have rights to include Colin Kaepernick in this game, this doesn't affect soundtracks. We messed up, and the edit should have never happened. We will make it right with an update to Madden 19 on August 6th that will include the reference again. We meant no disrespect, and we apologize to Colin, to YG, and Big Sean, to the NFL, to all of their fans and our players for this mistake. Now, people want to roll their eyes and say, oh, that's awful convenient. Y'all are wrong. Okay, because understand one thing. Nobody can be included in a Madden game that isn't part of the NFL Players Association. Colin Kaepernick is not currently part of the NFL PA. So it creates an interesting situation when you have a game that allows player creation to make sure that you're protecting yourself to not have anybody represented in the game that you don't have the legal right to use their name and likeness. That's a huge part of this. EA Sports does not have the right to use Colin Kaepernick's name or likeness. Would it not make sense that they go out to everybody in the process and remind them, hey guys, Cap cannot be a part of this game. He's not a part of the Players Association. He cannot be a part of this game. Now that message goes out to everybody, including the people that handled the soundtracks. And I can tell you for sure. I, I railed on this on radio and said, oh my God, EA Sports, what are you thinking? NFL, what are you thinking? You know, when we first heard about it, I railed on him and said, how could you possibly let this happen? There are so many acts that want to be a part of EA Sports. There are so many acts that want to be part of Madden. I've said it before. Acts actually write songs specifically for Madden pitches. I know that. I've been a part of those conversations with different acts. Acts actually record hoping to get a song on Madden because it works like a free single. Think about it. Imagine Dragons has the theme of college football this year. It's a free single for them. 
They don't need to release it to radio. It lives and acts as a single. So if you're Imagine Dragons, you have a single out on radio. You have a single that is the, the theme of college football on ESPN. Oh, and you also get a song in the EA Sports Madden soundtrack. You're working three singles at one time. That is the very thing Fallout Boy flat out perfected for an era, right? So in today's world, soundtracks matter. Everybody wants to be a part of it. At the same time, the soundtrack department sees the note that, oh, wait, Kaepernick's name can't be a part of it. And they immediately think that includes that includes uh, his name in a song. It doesn't. That's a human error mistake. You know, one of the dirty little secrets nobody likes to get into about Snapchat. I'm going to Kyrie, I'm going to I'm going to reveal a Snapchat secret. All right. EA Sport or sorry, Snapchat and ESPN does not have the right to show digital NFL highlights. Now, does that mean you can't see uh, the NFL on a on an e, uh, on an ESPN game? Of course. Does that mean you can't see the NFL on our highlight packages? Of course you see it there. But when we go on Snapchat to try and talk about it on SportsCenter on Snapchat, we can't show it. The NFL won't allow it. Same with hockey. The NHL will not allow us to show highlights. So during the Stanley Cup final, we would talk about the game. We'd show still shot pictures, revealing all the dirty little secrets here. We did that because we don't have the rights. And the number of times people within our building get confused about what we are and aren't allowed to show because of where digital rights lie and how rights are different depending on what app you're on, what platform you're on, whether it's TV, whether it's radio. What we're allowed to do on radio is different than what we're allowed to do on TV is different than what we're allowed to do on social. It gets very confusing. So it's reasonable and realistic in my mind to think that the people in the music department heard the name Colin Kaepernick. They saw that they're not allowed to have Colin Kaepernick included in this game, and they cut it out. It's also reasonable and realistic to think they did that without asking Big Sean's permission because, like I said earlier, everybody wants to be in Madden. So when you get the opportunity to do it, one of the things you do is you essentially sign over the, hey, y'all going to run this thing now. It's, it's common. That's what happens if you get the theme for ESPN on college football. I guarantee you, I haven't seen the specifics of this, but I guarantee you from previous working knowledge of how this works with other bands that have worked with ESPN, I can guarantee you that ESPN sits down and has a conversation. They have a conversation about the tempo, about the lyrical content. They have a conversation about the arrangement. ESPN has a huge hand before anything becomes part of the college football library. EA Sports is no different. All right, so EA Sports is coming in and saying, you want your song included? These are the rules. And every act in the world is saying, okay. Big Sean's never thinking they're going to take out a lyric about Cap. So he's saying, okay. His people are saying, okay. But then what happens is ultimately it makes it into the game, and he feels like a fool because something important was taken out of one of his songs. Now you have something that's blowing up. I can only remind you there are times. There are times, even if you want to blow up in the moment, where you got to step back. And that's what I'm doing. I blew up in the moment and thought, how ignorant is this? And then EA Sports issued an apology, an apology from somebody that's been on the inside of this that is so realistic, so well-worded. The fact that they just say, hey, we messed up. It's so well done, and it makes so much sense that what I have to do is serve up a sautéed heaping helping a crow and admit, you know what? I overreacted. Take my apology to EA Sports. And apply it to yourself. If you're one of the guys that yelled and screamed, if you're one of the guys that's up in arms about EA Sports, about Madden, and about Kaepernick, this is a great opportunity to just throw your hands up and say, man, I got this one wrong. I did, and it's okay to say that you did too. 
It's Ellen Fitz talking music. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out. We're uh, holding down the fort without L. So I figure what we can do is bring in another expert. That's what we're going to do. You know, when we don't have L, we're going to have Mike Golick Jr. sitting in on some of these. But frankly, big boy's busy. So uh, until we get Mike Golick Jr. to hold uh, hold it down with us, we're going to bring in uh, we're going to bring in smart people to help us. And this is a great example of that. You already know what it is, man. It's your boy Axel Leon, aka Young Hugo, and now be checking out L and Fitz talk about music on ESPN. So we're about to get a lot smarter. Uh, that's the the number one goal of the music podcast is to get smarter by bringing people on that uh, know more than we do. And so we're going to do that now by uh, being joined by Rob Sheffield, who writes for Rolling Stone. You can check out uh, a couple of his books. Love is a mixtape, also a new book, Dreaming the Beatles. Rob. Uh, I remember in my career the first time uh, an act I played for was ever featured in Rolling Stone, and it was sort of a life-changing epic moment. What's it like writing for Rolling Stone? Well, it's so fun because, you know, we we cover uh, all different kinds of music and all the different kinds I like. So, you know, I can write about Fleetwood Mac or I can write about Cardi B, and it's the kind of environment where, you know, where, where you can really cover the whole spectrum. So, like, in because music is it's just so crazy, like how many different types of music are thriving right now. In the last two weeks, I've seen, like just acts I've seen live, Taylor Swift and My Bloody Valentine and <laughs> Old Steady and, you know, Harry Styles and, uh, you know, Free Cake for Every Creature, all these like indie bands, punk bands, but also, you know, superstars, everybody's. It's it's kind of an exciting time for music. Okay, so walk me through sort of how you compartmentalize because you just gave several different genres, and this is difficult for a lot of people because everybody has their favorite genre and they have their misconceptions and preconceptions about other genres. So how do you sort of reset your palette each time you walk into a new show? I guess everybody's trying to communicate in their language, you know, and and so there'll be a different crowd. I mean, I, w- I went last week, one of the most fun shows I've seen all summer. I went to this. Uh, total 80s throwdown. It was absolutely my cup of tea. And it was uh, the opening band was the Thompson Twins, mm. and then it was the B-52s and Culture Club. And it was so incredibly fun. And uh, I, I remember thinking during the show, I wonder if I'm the only person in this room who is seeing this the same week as My Bloody Valentine and Taylor Swift. <laughs> but I'm guessing maybe. But, uh, but it was so fun because, you know, like different audiences, people, but it's the same basic thing. People are there to sort of, you know, communicate, feel that connection to the music and, you know, and, and celebrate the music. So I spent years touring in country music. That's, you know, where my lifeline came from. And country music has a pretty set path. You know, as much as we talk about the modernization of the way music is consumed through streaming and all that, country music is still largely radio driven. Uh, one of the genres you work a lot around is, is rock, essentially, and there isn't a mainstream radio outlet that allows rock acts to sort of separate and be promoted to people that may not have their eyes on it. For rock and roll to continue, how does it need to cut through? How can it cut through? It seems like it could learn a lot from country, to, to tell the truth. Uh, country radio is something, you know, it's, it's, you know, country is the kind of thing where people people in it they're always complaining about it it, it's always changing or it's always too much the same but uh but you know the the way country is really booming now in a way that you know rock bands for the most part aren't uh is you know something i think rock artists can learn a lot from 
You know, and it's funny you mentioned the complaints. Mike Golick Jr. and I had a, a, a pretty sizable argument that the TV cut off. We were in the <laughs> middle of an argument because I feel like country music, more than any other genre, is constantly sitting there in every era saying, this isn't country music, and saying that, that country music has died. Uh, am I too far in the bubble? I mean, is that going on in every genre, or is country actually the worst with it? That's that's country. It's it's That's always been the way country is, you know, like, Whoever had a hit 10 years ago is complaining that whoever's doing it now isn't really country. They're watering it down. And, uh, you know, so you can go back to the arguments people have over country now. I remember when I was a kid, and it was Travis Tritt versus Billy Ray Cyrus, you know? Like, Travis Tritt was like, Billy Ray Cyrus, that's not country. This is a wiggling contest. And, you know, you listen to it now, and it's like, you no, know, like, musically, they're kind of doing the same thing. You might like one more than the other, but, you know, it goes back to, you know, just, these are ancient, in a way, the essence of country is to have these arguments over what is and isn't country. And hip-hop's kind of the same. There's always that argument over what, what is hip-hop and what's too pop for hip-hop. And uh, the country, it seems like that's really built into the tradition. Well, and, and you mentioned that. I, I've told this story before. We're talking to Rob Sheffield, writer for Rolling Stone. Uh, I've, I've told this story before, but years ago when I was in a band that was opening for Kenny Rogers, he talked about how when he first broke into country, the country genre actually sat there and said, you're not country, you're rock. You can't be part of this genre. And now he's in the Country Music Hall of Fame. So it does show you <laughs> sort of the never-ending evolution. Uh, as we talk to Rob Sheffield, uh, you have a, a really spectacular, heartwarming book, uh, Love is a Mixtape, and uh, obviously uh, written from from your personal, uh, what you went through, it's autobiographical uh, memoir, talking a lot about uh, the loss of your wife and, and you know, the mixtape piece of it. But it really had me thinking about mixtapes in general. And, Rob, it, it's it's an interesting thought because I'm 41. So when I was in high school and I wanted to make a mixtape for a girl I was dating, it meant I had to go out and spend a bunch of money on a lot of CDs and a lot of time. <laughs> now you just go out and, you you know, it's all right there at your fingertips. You can make somebody a playlist and send it to them right away. Uh, has the mixtape in your mind lost some of its allure? Well, you know, I still listen to my mixtapes. I, I for me, for technology, I'm really biased toward what works. So uh, I still got a boombox on my desk. Yes, it's part of my writing technique. You know, like one of the tape decks doesn't really work anymore. The rewind button died years ago, but it's a boombox that I bought in 1989. It sits in my desk, and I play tapes while I work, and it's part of the rhythm of, of you know, with every 45 minutes the tape goes. Chunk. And I'm like, okay, time to flip the tape. I've been here for 45 minutes. Do I need to, you know, stretch my legs, get a grilled cheese sandwich, something like that? Um, so for me, and, and I love, like, listening to these tapes that I made over the years, and it, it really, like, brings the time alive for me. So, you know, like, just last week I was listening to this tape I made from 1998, the summer of 1998, and I was like, wow, I love that Collective Soul song. You know, like, oh, I love, you know, like, this, you know, Elvis Costello song. Just these things that were, you know, just whatever was dominating your radar at any particular time. And so it really like, keeps the moment alive to uh, to, to have, have these tapes as these little time capsules. I, I just I, I get it, Rob. I get that it makes me the old man that's like I walked uphill both ways in the snow to school. I get it. <laughs> I just feel like kids today. You know, you kids, this is Kyrie. This is your people's, your generation's fault, right? You're, you kids today just come in and you're like, oh, we all willy-nilly with our Spotify playlist we share. I want you to put some effort into it, guys. I mean, that's all I'm asking for. Uh, you've written a, go, go ahead. <laughs> These kids in their streams and their, and their, and their astrology and their face, face time. <laughs> that, that thing. 
you uh, you took a little bit of a walk back in time. Uh, new book, Dreaming the Beatles. Uh, I find it interesting whenever somebody as accomplished as you goes back to cover something that's been covered so much when you talk about the Beatles. Uh, what sort of was your inspiration to want to get into this, and what was the goal in writing about the Beatles? Well, I wanted to write a book about the Beatles that wasn't a book about the 60s. You know, like pretty much a lot of things written about the Beatles. It's got this idea of like, oh, there was this magic thing that happened in the 60s, and then it was over, and... You know, and, and you kids, you missed it. And for me, I wanted to write about the Beatles as something that keeps going on, a story that keeps going on. I mean, it, it makes sense that the Beatles were popular in the 60s, but it's crazy that the Beatles are so popular now, that they're so popular today, that you still see, you know, kids wearing their T-shirts, that you still, you know, you hear their music in public places, that people still love the Beatles so much, so much more than any other pop music. It's, uh, like, to me, like, that was the story I wanted to get into, the, the, the fact that... You know, the Beatles, they broke up and said, okay, we're done being the Beatles. You people, you're going to have to live your lives without the Beatles because we're done being the Beatles now. And the world just said, okay, you four guys, you can do whatever you want, but we're going to keep the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just love that the story just keeps going on and keeps getting crazier. The Beatles story just keeps taking all these crazy new turns. It's uh, kind of interesting to me because uh, over the weekend uh, recently, my father-in-law came up to Connecticut and driving around and I put on, you know, he's a huge Elvis fan. So I put on an Elvis playlist as we uh, drove around. And one of the conversations we got into is how difficult it is to be a pioneer anymore. When you think about Elvis was doing something that had never been done. The Beatles were doing something that had never been done. Uh, is it possible that we're just at an era in music now where no matter how creative somebody wants to be, the reality of it is it's all been done before, so it can't be as lasting and special? I think I think there's always new ways to do stuff and people doing new stuff and people doing new stuff in new ways and figuring out new ways to do it. So, you know, now you have a lot of pop stars who are looking for, you know, crazy new ways of being a pop star. So, for instance, you know, Beyonce's new record with Jay-Z when that great video where they're in the Louvre, and it's like, wait a minute, how did Beyonce and Jay-Z film a video in the Louvre without, like, anybody finding out about it? No paparazzi. Like, and they, they, they just cleared out the Louvre for a day or for a night and they just shot a video there. And just, like, sort of an audacious thing like that. To me, that, you know, that Beyonce is somebody, Beyonce does this all the time. Says, what is it that I did last time and what can I do before? What, what can I do next that nobody's done before? So the whole thing that, you know, Beyonce did is just recording an entire album in secret and then just, like, dropping it on the world. Like, nope, okay, I have a new album that, like, you didn't even hear rumors about, and I also managed to shoot videos for, like, every song on this album. You know, what she did with her self-titled album a few years ago, nobody had ever done that before, and everybody's always trying to do that now. I, I think, you know, innovation keeps taking different terms, but people are still doing things that haven't been done before. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I agree with you that innovation takes turns. I just wonder... In 30 years, what will be what, what will be revered? I mean, when you think about uh, the conversation, and, and so often when we talk to football people or experts that come in and they talk about how much they uh, they love music, you know, and that was my original start before I was ever at ESPN. Uh, when I was touring, I would get football guys to talk about music and music guys to talk about football. And you talk to football guys and say, okay, what's your first concert? And that answer so often for uh, media people are, are legends, right? And in 30 years, when we talk to people about this this era of music, what do you think the lasting piece of it will be? I don't know. I think people are still writing songs that come from the heart, and that's what they still respond to. You know, and whether that, you know, uh, Cardi B or Taylor Swift or or Ice Age or Harry Styles or you know whoever it is that that speaks to, you, I think people are still finding ways to write 
great songs that come from the heart. And I think that ultimately that's what people respond to. And you don't know, I, I mean, it's impossible to tell how the future is going to look at it. Because honestly, like you look back 30 years and the things in the 80s that people thought would be remembered years later, it, it's impossible to predict these things. I, I mean, every single day I hear that Toto song, I've left the rains down in Africa. And I think if you pulled 100 people in the 80s, what songs from the 80s would be remembered as classics 35 years later? I bet you wouldn't get, you know, 0.001% of people saying, you know, that Toto song about Africa, that's a keeper. That's, and, that's part of the legacy for future generations. It's just that, you know, you can't predict what people are going to cling to over the years and, and hold close to their heart. That is, me, that's part of the fun of it. That is such a great point. Rob, before we let you go, um, I always like when we have smart people on to, to sort of educate somebody on a, on a band they may not have their ears on. If there's uh, somebody right now just out of the blue that you think, okay, guys, go check this act out, who would it be? Wow. Uh, who I'm crazy about these days uh, is uh, she's called a Free Cake for Every Creature. She's a, a punk rock singer-songwriter out of Philadelphia. For some reason, half the bands I love now are punk rock women with guitars from Philadelphia writing songs, You know, whether that's Waxahachie or Snail Mail or, or uh, Hop Along or free cake for every creature. I, she's on my mind because I saw her show last night and she was amazing. She blew me away. But there's just amazing stuff being done now by uh, young punk rock women with guitars. That's, that's the genre I'm really excited about these days. You guys can check out the book again, Dreaming the Beatles. You can get it wherever you get your books from. Also, his website, robsheffield.com. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Rob Sheff. Rob, we appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, man. Hey, y'all, this is Jess Lee, and you're listening to Ellen Fitz talking music. Rob Sheffield, by far smarter than any of us, uh, and really a love Rob. He's going to become a contributing member of this podcast so that we can get some of his variety brought in. Kyrie, I think the big difference, going back to the question I asked him about hip-hop versus country on the stodgy old man, this isn't country music argument anymore. I think the difference is hip-hop argues with itself about current music all the time, whether this current hip-hop is better than that current hip-hop. There's always this conversation. So many country people seem buried in the mindset that whatever is being put out today is not country. Like, all country coming out today sucks. Country was better, so so much better 10 years ago. And that's always the case, which comes back to my Kenny Rogers story that he's now a Hall of Famer. But when he first came out, it was like, well, this isn't country music. I, there isn't some, uh, you know, a universal, well, we like this country better than that country. They don't even want to have that conversation. So it's a, it's a weird piece. Speaking of country, still not getting enough country submissions. Uh, L and Fitz talking music, no G, at gmail.com. We want to help expose you guys, uh, to, to new audiences. Also, uh, frankly, we're really proud of the fact that we're, we're getting some great relationships with labels. We want to help, uh, we want to help build some things and make some dreams come true. So get us your submission. Uh, Kyrie, what stood out this week? We had a rock band this week stand out to you, right? We did, yeah. I was really uh relieved, I guess. I mean, I love hip-hop. That's no question. I mean, I'm sure nobody doubts that. But I was really relieved to get a rock band, and more specifically, a female guitarist reached out to me and said, you know, she sees what we're doing. She she followed me on Instagram, and, you know, she wanted to submit her stuff and, and be a part of this conversation. So I was really excited and happy about that yeah no that's amazing what's uh give us the uh, scoop on the band shout out to claire janode again from the kill it band that's k-i-l-l-i-t-b-a-n-d all one word uh on instagram and twitter uh they're a band out of london and um of course we can't play any of the music right now but 
it's they, they have really good uh they, they have a really good sound really strong sound um i'll be lying to you if i told you that i was the biggest rock fan in the world but i mean i know what sounds good and i know what it you know what sounds professional and a hundred percent it 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 captivates you as soon as you turn it on. It's yeah. really good stuff. Actually, and, and I listened to some of it too. I thought it was really, uh, it, it was energetic. It was good sort of throwback rock and roll, uh, to, to, uh, uh that the rhythm section drums. It, it felt really good. Felt really tight. I liked it a lot also. Surprised we got a, a London submission. So, uh, give the, give We're the national man. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. What's the, uh, what's the social media on them? Where can people find them? They can find them at kill it band. That's K I L L I T. B A N D. And if you want to follow Claire, she's at Claire C L A I R E Genode G E N O U D. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Claire G E N O U D. Look at you. I mean, international. Who knows? You know, that, 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 I never would have thought again, guys, you can submit to us. Uh, the, it, it's simple. We want to try and help make dreams come true. So, at L and Fitz talking, no G, music at gmail.com. At L and Fitz talking music at gmail.com. I have put out a social media plea to get some country submissions. So, uh, let's see what we can get. Let's see where it can go and let's see, uh, how we can help this thing grow and make some dreams come. So all of this conversation about music and how you get seen. Uh, and you're listening to Ellen Fitz talking music. Jason Fitz, uh, hanging out with Kyrie. Uh, L is out on. Uh, she's out on maternity leave. This conversation about how you get seen is funny because it doesn't just stop in the discovery period, Kyrie. You know, one, one of the interesting things is no matter who you are now, you're trying to figure out how to separate because so much music comes out. It kind of comes back to our mixtape conversation we were having earlier. Like right. it, it feels like when I was a kid, you know, only a few acts could come out. You could only get through a few acts at a time uh, because you only had so much money for CDs. Now, if you pull up the Spotify New Music Friday, by the way, Spotify, call us. You should endorse us. If you uh, if you pull up the New Music Friday, as I do every single Friday, it's actually a chore. Like getting through New Music Friday is a pain in the ass. I don't care what anybody else says. Like I do it, especially when I'm flying to Nashville. I'll pull up the whole list. I'll download the whole list so I can listen to it on my phone on the flight. I make it about two thirds of the way through and then I'm just sorting through the monotony of it because there's so much music out, right. which is a reminder that it's hard for everybody to separate. And what we're seeing now is a world where there's an understanding that acts like Drake are going to do different things to try and engage social media to separate. Right. And the question is, as we watch Drake come through a social media phenomenon that got everybody talking about his stuff is how do you accomplish that? Right. That's the that's the difficult piece of this, Kyrie. Exactly. I mean, I've been watching this for the past couple of years. I mean, uh, Ray Schremer, uh put out a challenge on Instagram a couple of years ago. It was called the Black Beetle Mannequin Challenge. Actually, it wasn't even called the Black Beetle Challenge. It was just a mannequin challenge where people would play the song and they would stand still, like simple yeah. as it sounds. I, I'm pretty sure everybody remembers it. But one thing about that challenge that stood out in hindsight that record went number one and it stayed on the charts for a long time. And I attribute a lot of that to the challenge being that the song was playing in the background every time somebody did the challenge more than radio or playlists or anything else. So, I mean, and then of course we fast forward to Drake now with the In My Feelings Challenge and um, everybody doing that dance from Sierra to Lala to, I mean, you name it, every celebrity did that dance and, and, and put it on their Instagram feed and it, it makes me wonder, like, can this be manufactured? Well, and that's a difficult question because 
I've been a part of a process of trying to figure out how to separate music, and I've seen different country acts in the past try and figure out how to separate new releases, and everybody wants to create a phenomenon. I don't think you really can, though. I mean, there's a piece to me that looks back at uh, the the ALS challenge, right, the Ice Bucket Challenge. Think about it. Like, everybody, everybody after that tried to figure out another challenge. Heck, ALS has done different challenges since then. We don't talk about them. Like, it, it's really lightning in a bottle. you got to hit that perfect moment where things strike in such a way that you're like, okay, now this is a conversation piece. I don't know that you can fake that. And, and that's that's a piece of it. But I do know this. In a world where social influencers have become such a big part, right, and where Instagram uh, sort of celebrities have become such a big part of helping products grow, I think that money money does change hands just for this purpose. Obviously, between buying placement on social media, buying more exposure on social media, and then buying sort of the the interest of social media engagers, I think that labels are going to try more and more to do this. And it makes sense. It's just a heavy, heavy risk on the IFCOM that society is going to decide that your cultural moment is the cultural moment of the summer. I don't know how you plan that. Exactly. And I mean, you you said it. The the ALS challenge is like what you would call like the granddaddy of them all, for lack of a better term. I mean, I think when business and, you know, especially in music, when people saw what that challenge did, they were like, wait a minute, you know, this is something. But I mean, to your point, you're also true that it's a gamble. You could do the what you think is the coolest, you know, parkour or whatever, the, the coolest challenge you could think of. And um, if people don't do it or if people think it's corny, then, you know, you just wasted your time. Yeah. And, and then what do you do? You know, because that's leveraged risk for an artist, too. I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the right approach to take on it, but I, I know this. Everybody's trying to find new ways to monetize. Everybody's trying to find new ways to to get their music to separate. You've got to figure this out, you know. But if you're Drake, if you're Drake, and I'm not saying Drake's relying on this, but it's a key part of how Drake broke to the level he's broken to, right? Uh, on, on this particular record. Right. If you're Drake and you still need this sort of help, how the hell are you going to do it if you're not Drake? I mean, how many artists out there are submitting to us right now that are talented? How many artists with record deals right now are talented and they're they're having a hard time separating? And if you, even Drake needs his help to separate to that level, I'm not sure that it's not discouraging for everybody else along the way. Yeah, it's very true, man, because to to be an artist, to make the music, produce the music, you know, perform the music, and then also to have to think about, you know, what social media phenomenon can I create? That's like a big job. And I think it, it this speaks kind of outside of our topic, but this speaks to having a team and having a team in place that can help you because there's no way, especially in this age, you're going to do all that by yourself. No, and, and that's one of the, the difficulties that I think independent artists face more and more is because remember this. I've said for the longest time that, frankly, when you talk about making it as an indie artist, it becomes more and more difficult because, frankly, making it takes a ton of money for most artists. To make it at that high, high, high level takes more money than most artists can just turn around and write checks with. Uh, if we reach a spot where they've where labels figure out how to uh, invest in social media phenomenons, they're just then it's going to come back to what it's always been at radio. It's the same thing. The most money wins. The biggest paycheck wins. The biggest pocketbooks win and leverage wins. Because remember, I, I the the purest way I can explain radio is that it was about leverage relationships. So if you are the record label of Taylor Swift, and I'm not speaking specifically, this is general. Let's say to Sailor Twift, and Sailor Twift is the the biggest artist in the entire world, and you got a new baby act you want to break. What you do is you go to radio and you say, okay. 
Tell you what, if you play this new baby act over here, then we'll give you exclusive access to the next Taylor Twift concert, right? That's what they do. It's leveraged relationships. So then they turn around and say, okay, you play three new acts, and we'll make sure that you guys get an exclusive in-studio event. And then radio stations used to turn around and say, okay, now that we know that we have three exclusive events, we can charge more in ad rates for that quarter because we're going to get more ears, and that means we're going to make more money. That's the sort of the dirty way radio has worked for a long time in a legal way. Mm. If you think about what it means for Okay, now we understand that if you get these five social media influencers to do this phenomenon and you spend this money with Facebook or Instagram to to leverage the exposure of it, you can now have a phenomenon yourself. You're going to reach a spot where they'll go to all of these influencers and it's going to become biggest pocketbooks and the biggest leverage opportunities will win and new artists are going to continue to get shut out. I, I constantly say streaming music to me today is like walking into a library and saying, I want a book. And that's all you know. I want a book. All right. Well, how the hell do you figure out what books are good, what books are bad? Yeah, there's no curation, like, right? Yeah. yeah, you're not walking. If you walked into a library, I know kids today are like, what's a library? If you walked <laughs> into a library today, then you said, all right, I, I, I don't know. I just, I want a, I want a fiction book. There are thousands of choices and you just walk into a row. Nobody's there to help you. Nobody tells you what to do. How do you even find a good book? That's what I think what happens now when you walk in and you say, all right, I want music today. You are beholden to whatever the Spotify's, the the Apple Music's of the world tell you is going to be good. So anybody that's like, oh, I, I, radio sucks. The Apple Music, Spotify, they're doing the same thing that yeah. radio's been doing. They're trying to put something in front of you that they think is going to be successful. It's all going to be leverage play. And, and that goes to my question I was just going to ask you. I'm glad that you said that because is the the social media and and the Spotify's, the streaming services, is that the new radio programming? Mm-hmm. Is that the new... Because, you know, Apple just announced yesterday that they're the first... I think they're the first American company to uh, make a trillion dollars. Like, a trillion dollars. It's crazy. And then, as we all know, Apple Music is a big player in the uh, music game. What does that say? I mean, if anything, what does that say for the future of music? Yeah, it tells you that, uh, again, all they've done, you know, it's like if you are an addict um, and, you you know, all of a sudden you say, okay, I'm going to give up alcohol. But then instead of alcohol, you go to binge eating. You know, they'll say, hey, you didn't actually get to the core of your addiction. You just switched from one problem to another. I think that ultimately what we're going to what we're going to realize in the next two to three years is that's exactly what's happening now is that you're going from one problem to another in the sense that getting separation from spot i mean if you and i decide we're going to make a a new record together and we put it out Kyrie, it's not going to get played on spotify sure it might get put on spotify but somebody still has to hunt it down and find it so you're asking people to to have the wherewithal but how are they going to find it they're going to find it based on recommendations from spotify how do you get those recommendations by having the relevance to do it but also the number of acts every time you see a spotify sessions on your Spotify playlist, ask yourself, why did the artist go into Spotify studio and do a free acoustic show? They did it because they want Spotify to promo their music, to put it in a better spot. You know, it's no different than if you, if you know anybody that works in grocery stores, alcohol distributors fight for what row on the grocery store shelf their beer sits on because metrics show certain rows sell better than other rows. Wow. Uh, Coke distributors, Coca-Cola distributors, uh, Pepsi distributors, uh, fight in, in grocery stores and fight in convenience stores for what row Pepsi will be put on because metrics show that what row changes how much somebody buys of something. 
That's all Spotify is going to do. That's all Apple Music's doing. They're all coming in and saying, hey, you want better product placement? What are you going to do for us? It's no different than the radio business. So, so new players, same game, basically. 100%. And we're just coming in acting like it's all different and all better because everything's right there for you. It's true. You have all the choice in the world and you can on demand it. But you're still going to find what Spotify helps you find for 90% of the world. The other 10%, God bless you for going out there and hunting and being willing. But man, it is a, it is a circus to try and separate from. Uh, it's a deep conversation. We love being able to have the deep conversations, uh, but we also love that we can play uh, some of the music you guys are really hot on. I will tell you this. I am really proud to tell the world. I don't know how much of the world knows this, but uh, starting for college football season, I'm going to be hanging out every Saturday on Twitter doing the first ever weekly college football show on Twitter. Um, So every Saturday afternoon, time to be determined. It'll be five or six in the afternoon. Uh, We'll do a recap of what happened already in the day, and we'll set you up for the Saturday night game. Part of what we're going to do for that is we're going to work out some great relationships with some country music artists. Uh, So I'm going to be doing even more country talk uh, here based on some of the great relationships we're making around college football there. So we're going to get some some cool stuff coming to you there, and – I just this is a teaser. Kyrie doesn't even know I'm going to tease this. All I'm saying is that the CMA Awards are in November, and I may or may not have some cool access that nobody else is going to have. Mm. So uh, that's it for us. Ellen Fitz talking music. Tell your friends to tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody, tell your enemies, tell them all to check it out. You know the deal. Rate, rate, rate and subscribe it. Listen to it. Tell us what you think of it. Uh, unless you hate it, in which case, don't tell us what you think of it. But if you love it, tell one buddy. That's all I'm asking you this week. Tell one buddy about it. Uh, this thing only gets bigger. We get bigger artists as we continue to grow. So uh, it, this is a grassroots effort. I'm I'm proud. I am really proud of the fact that L, Kyrie, and I do this out of the love of doing it. Uh, we've done it even though people at ESPN have said we're crazy. And frankly, some people at ESPN weren't even passionate about it. We have grown this thing from the ground up because we are passionate about it. So all I'm asking for you guys is to pay a little of that passion forward. Tell your friends about it. Just one person. It means the difference uh, between uh, it means the world for us to be able to continue to do this. So we are we aren't going anywhere. We're going to continue doing it. Mike Oleg Jr. is going to start joining us to fill in for L, uh, who's busy being an amazing mom. Uh, again, congratulations to her. Thanks to Kyrie. I'm Jason Fitz. Uh, follow we us. Might, we might even get Will Kane. Yeah. Oh, Will Kane's going to come on, and we'll get him to talk about. I mean, all he talks about on his show is the Cowboys and music. So we'll get him to talk about the Cowboys and music here. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We appreciate it. Kyrie, great job as always. Thanks for listening to Ellen Fitz talking music.